Hello, magic seekers, and welcome to It Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon, and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. our beautiful podcast coven we are always delighted to be back in your ear holes for another episode (laughs) of turns out she's a witch we have a very special guest who is joining us today all the way from Asheville North Carolina she's the author of the best-selling and award-winning wild wisdom series the seeds for this series were planted years earlier when she apprenticed with a traditional healer in Ireland where she spent extensive time studying the growing cycles of plants the alchemy of medicine making and the psychology of working with humans and illness. These experiences reawakened an interest in natural philosophy and mysticism, which had been a large part of her academic studies at the University of Michigan and New York University. She has taught botanical medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, Westchester University and Pennsylvania Hospital. She regularly teaches at conferences and festivals where she encourages people to use the patterns and metaphors from the natural world to help them understand and grow within their own lives. We have her here to talk about her latest endeavour, the night school, exploring the edges of the universe and the depths of the self, all through the lens of philosophy, divination and astrology. A beautiful quote from the book, magic is everywhere. To see it and the effects it has on your life, change the way you perceive the world. To harness it, change the way you interact with the energies around you. To know it, change the way you think. To live it, remember the lessons of the night as you go about your day. Welcome to the podcast, Maya Toll. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that bio is long. I always expect that people are going to like take a little bit of it, cut it down, <laughs> take what they want. But no, everyone reads the whole thing. I'm like, whoop. <laughs> well, there's a lot to learn about you. That's for sure. It's, it's, it's amazing and so interesting. And we've been truly excited to get you on the podcast to chat about yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely. thrilled to be here. Yeah. <laughs> So first of all, a question I always ask our guests, and it is a very big one, what does the word witch mean to you? So, you know, for me, witch is a a challenge that I come up against over and over and over again. Um, I don't use it as as a label. I don't call myself a witch. I don't tend to call other people witches. Um... I think that for me, it's the archetype that I'm dancing with in this lifetime, you know, mm. learning about moving toward, moving away from, um, feeling intrigued by, feeling repulsed by, feeling in love with, you know, it's it's all of those things. We might and where I'm going and how go. I want to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry mm. to interrupt. We lost you for a very brief moment, and we were like, oh, <laughs> "Where'd you go?" <laughs> no, you oh, didn't. The internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had an internet moment. We did. are we okay? <laughs> yeah. We yes. Yeah. You're back. Thank goodness. You were frozen thank goodness. for a second there, but <laughs> I love how you um, just described that as an archetype you're dancing with this with in this lifetime. It's um. It's so true, isn't it? Like it's such a big word or big archetype, like you say. Um, anyone experience it on any given day, it can pull you towards it, repel you, exactly what you said. That was beautiful. Yeah, I, you know, I think that for me personally, I don't like labels. Mm, like I yeah. don't, I you know, I don't like labels at all <laughs> because I think that what they do is they allow us to stop becoming and and think that we are in a state of being right and for me with especially with a word like which 
I always want to be exploring it and picking at it and becoming it or unraveling it. I don't, I don't want stasis with that word. Mm. It's so perfect. And I think this is why this is one of my favorite questions because everyone's take and interpretation and uh, relationship with that word it's just so many layers it's such a exploration and a evolution when you look at that label and where it's come from and where we are now with it and where we are now with it which I started running witch camp online in 2014 Mm -hmm. and the world was very different yeah you know very, very different eight years ago and how people related to the word witch. I mean, right now we go to Instagram and our feed is going to be full of people's altars and candles and rituals. There was none of that Mm -hmm. in 2014. Witches of Instagram was not a hashtag. (laughs) Um, Vogue had not yet done a witchy week, you know? Mm -hmm. So watching the world the word evolve in the culture has been fascinating as well. Um, Absolutely. It's evolved fast. I mean, eight years is not that long. Mm, very and true. there's a huge evolution in how we're using that word. Yeah, it's, it'll be really interesting to see where it goes as well. Quite often you see big uh, titles like that and they get commodified and um, pop cultured and It'll be interesting. Well, it already was pop cultured, right? Yeah. So like we had all our Disney witches and everything else. So it's it's really interesting because it's already been through cycles of commodification and being Mm -hmm. turned into pop culture. And it's all those things are happening now too. So it's 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 part of the cycle with the word, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. we could do a whole episode just on that really. (laughs) Yes, we could. (laughs) Happily. But Maya, I'd love to know, moving on to the next question, I'd love to know how important ceremony and ritual are in your own life. So what I would say is they are very important and not important at all, both. Um, I I don't do things regularly or repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to do things spontaneously and when the mood moves me. So ceremony happens, ritual happens. It's usually not planned. It's usually not on some specific date that someone has told me is the date I'm supposed to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens when I'm out for a walk in the woods or, you know, talking to my dogs or riding my horse and something needs to happen. The energy needs to shift mm-hmm. and I can feel how it needs to shift and what the opening is to move toward that shift. Mm. Um, and then some little ritual happens. Yeah. And then, and then I, and then I forget about it. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't write it down. I don't entomb it. I don't even go on Instagram and tell people about it. <laughs> I just, you know, it's like there's there's a that. drop st- <laughs> there's a drop stitch in the universe. I pick up the stitch and I move on with my day. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Mm. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel especially as busy women, I think people can feel really guilty if they're not doing all the rituals, if they're not doing every single full moon, new moon, every Sabbath. It's um, it's so much, isn't it? <laughs> Don't and it's, I exhaust- my- it's exhausting. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It yeah. is. And like it's I myself, I, I do try. I do try to keep up with, especially the will of the year. But this recent one, Beltane, like it just didn't happen for us. We had so much going on personally and, you know, we had a, a death and, I was like, that was the last thing I felt like doing was celebrating, um, even though the podcast, you know, we put it out there to people of, you know, how they can celebrate and all this. But me personally, that particular Sabbath, I was like, I can't. I just, I'm not there. So, and it's okay. Yeah. So, and it's it's very okay. I mean, I think that what all of these touchstones are trying to do is to get us in touch with both our own energy and the energy of the world around us. And Mm. it's more important to tap into those two things than to tap into the touchstone. 
If you tap mm. into the touchstone without tapping into your energy and the energy of the world around you, you're not actually doing the thing. You're doing the gloss, the the mockery of the thing. Mm, so gosh. perfect. You know, I, I think it's so much more important. The, the moon does not need you <laughs> to be full. True. Very true. Right. You might need the moon, like if you're trying to um grow something energetically, you might need that energy to help grow that thing. And so being conscious of it and and stepping into that energetic flow and that timing is brilliant. Mm. But feeling like you have to go outside and, you know, throw up your arms and light 17 candles and, you know, dance in a circle and say whatever words some book told you to say, the moon is going to be full without you and she's going to be new without you. And she really, so just, you know, the pressure we put on ourselves is it's a thing that takes us away from exactly what we're trying to achieve. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Right. Thank you. We're looking for connection, not stress. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't need Mm. another to-do list. We need to be able to feel our way through it and feel okay with whatever it is that we need or feel called to move toward or away from. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) we're good now (laughs) Maya in your bio we heard about how you apprenticed to a traditional healer in Ireland can you tell us about this time in your life and what led you on this path yeah so you know like a lot of people who kind of get into the witchy world's through herbalism, um, I got sick and Western medicine didn't know what to do with me. Um, so at the time I was living in New York city and my medical doctor was studying Chinese medicine. So she was studying traditional Chinese medicine and she sat me down and she said, look, I can see you're sick. She's like, your blood work is weird. And I know that Western medicine can't figure this out. She's like, it doesn't fall into the patterns that we know how to diagnose. But I'm studying traditional Chinese medicine and I don't know enough to know what's going on, but I know enough to know that there might be some other system that can recognize this pattern. And this was in the 1990s. Um, for, For most of the people that I was around and was growing up with, there was no other medicine, but Western medical medicine. Like this was bizarro that my doctor would say, go elsewhere. Um, So it really like felt like a little bit of a quest. You know, I was traveling around New York city, going into all these like basement apartments and (laughs) meeting with people who um, I I couldn't understand what they did or how they did it or why they did it. But through this process, I got exposed to a lot of different systems of healing. And in most cultures, the systems of healing are linked in some way into spiritual systems. So, you know, it just cracked open the world of healing, the world of spirituality, the world of energy medicine. Um, And all of that eventually led me to Ireland, where I apprenticed for a year with a woman who identified as a witch and she was a traditional healer. Um, And it was, you know, it was very much a a green medicine path. And through that, like if you're harvesting plants, then you're following the moon cycles because the moon controls the water tables, the water table controls how much moisture is in the plants, how much moisture in the plants controls when you harvest it or when you weed it. Um, So I began to see some of the, like the bindings that held together all these different things that I had previously thought were unrelated. Like Mm. if you had said to me, medicine has something to do with the moon, I would have said, Mm. you're nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and now I understand that, that medicine has so much to do with the moon. Mm. Right. And so then it's not such a jump 
Mm. Once you understand how the moon affects the plants and the plants affect the people, well then, okay, we can cut out the plants and just say the moon affects the people. I can, Mm. I can make that leap now. Mm. So joining the dots. Yeah. 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 What a year that would have been. I know. Fascinating journey. I imagine. Mm. Mm. You know, it's very romantic to think about being the witch's apprentice. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and and the the truth is that like it was often boring. It was often <laughs> me with a basket and a clippers and mm-hmm. like you know, don't come back until this is full of hawthorn berries. Do you know how long it takes to fill a big basket with hawthorn berries? Wow. Um yeah, so like there's the there's the romance of it, mm-hmm. but then there's mm-hmm. the truth of it, which is much more karate kid, you know, <laughs> go paint the fence and paint the fence again and paint the fence one more time. And pick the berries and pick the berries. <laughs> and pick more berries. Wow. Yeah. Fair yeah. point. And did, did and then did you have a conversation with the Hawthorne tree while you were picking the berries? You didn't. You forgot to thank it. Get back out there. It's a uh-huh. mile away. I don't care. Walk back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gosh. There's so much to learn though, isn't there? And and I think that there's a kind of learning that we avoid as modern people. We avoid the learning mm. that makes you paint the fence over and over and over again. Mm. Um, and surrendering to that. I think I must have spent the first three months just fighting exactly what mm. I'd signed up for. Like, you know, having the thoughts of, I'm paying you. Why are you making me into your servant? Mm. You know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and mm. having to work through the the whole shadow of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, it's so true, isn't it? The places our ego will take us and our um, resistance will take us. And yeah, oh, it's huge. Like you're saying, working through the shadow, it's that patience, isn't it? And just sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and being, being in it over and over and over again every day. Yeah. And mm. just seeing what thoughts are flooding through your brain and what you're going to do with them. Yeah, because unless you sit with that, you'll never know and you'll spend all the time just resisting it. You'll spend all the time resisting it or running from it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been so easy to just get on an airplane and go home. Yeah, it's not what I signed up for. See you later. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yep. Fair yeah, point. I think we so we so often don't know what we signed up for. We know the end result that we want, mm. but we don't understand the path that will take us there. Mm. And so then, you know, we start walking the path and we're like, oh, I don't like this. It's it's muddy and hot and there's yeah. gnats and, you know, yeah. I'm getting bitten. And um, but you you have to you have to put your physical self, your whole being through a learning process in order to truly take information in. If we just try to learn only through our, our heads, mm. um, we we don't get the depth of knowledge that you get when your entire being, when your head, your heart, your hands are all in the process. Amazing. Mm. So true. I'm going to change tactics. Well, not tactics, just directions a wee bit. I want to talk about the world of magic, being fascinated with that world. Um, I would love to know what little Maya was like and have you had a fascination <laughs> with magic all along? So this is this is kind of funny because I, I have a memoir coming out in June. Oh, right. And yeah, and um, I had written, you know, the whole thing and it started like in my 20s and uh, one of the women in my writing group said, you know, I feel like we need to ground this in who you were as a kid. Mm, can you, wow. can you write like just a little bit about like where this all started? Um, and it's, so it's, it was fascinating to see that question on your <laughs> list of questions that you kind of present to me because um it wasn't something that I had really sat down and, and thought about until working on this book. And, you know, what I, what I realized is I, 
I discovered reading very late. I'm actually, I'm learning disabled. And so that was diagnosed late in my life, but um, reading was something that was quite difficult for me when I was young. So um, I went to overnight camp, which I understand is an American thing okay. where uh, you go and you, you go away to like, there. So you're sleeping away instead of at home. And um, we had a, a counselor, my bunk counselor, who would read to us every night. And she started a book called Taryn Wanderer by a man named Lloyd Alexander. And it's one of like the early high fantasy books from the 1960s. Um, and at the end of the summer, she hadn't finished reading us the book. And I was so taken that in the car on the way home, I, I was like demanding that we go to the bookstore so that I could get the book so I could, you know, finish, finish reading it. <laughs> sure. um, and of course my parents are like, who is this person who's never read? Yeah. And yes, yes, dear, we will go right to the bookstore. <laughs> <Happily>. <laughs> um, but, but what hooked me was this sense that there was some part of life that I now call magic that I wasn't learning anything about in school, that I wasn't finding in any of the normal ways. Um, this particular book is about a young boy who is the assistant pig keeper for the only oracular pig in the kingdom. Oh, wow. <laughs> fantasy. So, right? High fantasy. Um, so... It really, it's based on some Celtic mythology. It hooked me into mythology. It hooked me into um, the concept of magic. The idea that there are skill sets that are invisible. You know, mm. that like someone can tell the future and like you can't see them doing it. They're just kind of doing it. And there it is. It happens. Um and that became like a kind of a, a foundational piece. The the question of how much of this is true, how much of this could be my reality, how much of this is just story. And like I had no sense of where that line was. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so I just kept eating these books. Um I'm getting more and more confused. I mean, like <laughs> up until up until very recently, I was still saying to friends, do you know anyone who can light fire with just a thought? <laughs> yeah. I, I was sure that like I was the most failed witchy woman on the planet. I'm like, I'm like the rest of them are just pointing at the hearth and <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> right? Wouldn't, Wouldn't that? that be so cool? Um, you know, so I've always just had this sense of like, where's the line? Where's mm. the boundary? And for me, the boundary has been like much further out there than what our modern culture mm. told me, like where the our modern culture told me that line would be. Yeah. You know, I feel like we are capable as humans of so much more than I grew up knowing we were capable of, which is amazing. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And it? magical. Yes. <laughs> Just that thought alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm, I, love I love that. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, my first introduction to your work was through your book, The Illustrated Herbary, which contains 36 magical plants, gorgeous illustrations and matching divination cards. I was then obsessed with all of your other books, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Thank you. It is such a joy to work with, though. It's just I bought them for my daughters and everything. They're just beautiful, so beautiful. So how did your journey start as an author? So I got an email one day from a woman named Rosemary Gladstar, who is an herbalist here in the States. Um, she was one of my teachers, but we were never in close contact. She's taught so many people. Um, I was not a special student. She didn't know who I was, or at least I didn't think she did. And um, one day I get an email from her and I swear Rosemary does not know anyone's name. <laughs> the email said, hello, dear. Dear, she calls everyone dear. Um, <laughs> have you ever thought about writing a book? I think you should write a book. Here's the name of my editor. Wow. And I, 
like, that's an email yeah, you like, want to get. Yeah. Right. I was like, what? <laughs> um, and you know, for me, I, I have been someone who aspires to be an author since a very young age. Um, I can, I can picture some very early stories and the covers I drew for them mm-hmm. in, you know, later elementary school. Wow. Um, so I, I've always been a person who um, imagines themselves in that role. And sometimes I've been a person who writes, but I have in my later life been like a writer without a story. So blogging was something I could do that, you know, let me write without having a specific longer form story to tell. Um, And Rosemary apparently read my blog. So, right. So it was a very um, funny moment for me because it kind of put in my face the thing I most wanted and Mm. most didn't know how to do. Mm. And so I buried that email way down the bottom of my inbox. Oh, wow. oh did it and I didn't look, Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> and I didn't look at it for three months. It was oh, like wow. gone. <gasps> it was gone. Um, and eventually I fished it out and I got in touch with her editor. And I basically said exactly what I said to you. is like, I'm a writer without a story. I, I would love to write a book, but I have no idea what that book would be. And she said, okay, we'll figure it out. Now, this is a very unusual experience in the publishing industry. Um, But over about 18 months, we just sent ideas back and forth. And um, the herbiary actually came out of um, the beginnings of this memoir, which I finally got done this year. (laughs) Um, In the original version, it had an herb at the head of every chapter. And those little herb write-ups became the herbiary. Uh got and they fell out of the the memoir um so mm. yeah it's it's actually a like writing the memoir is a real coming full circle because i'm revisiting both my own beginnings with this work and then also um where the herbiary you know originated mm. so but uh, you know in, in writing the herbiary um I, I definitely had that internal battle between like wanting to write something that felt serious because I'd been studying herbalism for six or seven years. Gosh. Um, and then had been a clinical herbalist for a decade. So um, I was coming into that book with like a lot of real world experience. I mm. um, often partnered with doctors and sometimes with hospitals um, to work with very ill patients. And so I wanted a level of seriousness um, and gravitas. And my ego was demanding that I don't write something fluffy bunny. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet at the same time, what I really wanted to do was just open a little door for people so that they could find their own way instead of my way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the book was a real balancing act for me. I I don't read genre um, at all. People say to me, "What's your favorite book?" And I say, "I don't have one. I don't I don't read in this genre." Mm. Um, for me, this is an incredibly ooh yeah okay. So that? someone else joined that us. <laughs> that was that was that was the beast. Because I heard a coyote outside. Oh, wow. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Um, so I live up in the mountains and yeah. we have our own animals, a little different from yours. <laughs> yeah, tell us um, more. <laughs> and yeah, and this time of night, the coyotes mm-hmm. sometimes come out. And I just heard a little like, woohoo. And then oh, the dogs yeah, wow. were like, like, and us too. <laughs> Your dogs are joining in. <laughs> What's the relationship? Are they, are they frightened of them or do they just bark at them to let you know they're around or? Um, I hope that they're a little frightened of them because coyotes mm-hmm. run in packs and they'll, what they'll try to do is like separate an animal okay. from whatever oh. their pack is so they okay. can kill it. Wow. Um, so I hope they're a little frightened. Um, yeah. we try to, you know, we try to get them in as soon as we hear mm-hmm. the coyotes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so yeah. they're in now. They're safe. 
They're in. They're in. Okay. Okay. They're they're, they're in. They're in and ready to bark at us at any moment. Oh, (laughs) they'll be in good company. We'll have dogs barking all over the globe. Well, I um I love your book and hearing you describe all the the herbary like you were just saying. Um, so I'm a registered nurse um in background and there's a few of my friends like minded people at work that love particularly your this book um because it bridges those two worlds so beautifully. Like um, there's some really quality great information and it's beautifully paired with the artwork and the way it's presented and. Oh gosh, um, can't believe I'm about to do this, but there's like one line <laughs> in the introduction or two lines. And I just, if I can get to it, yeah. Um, each plant's description is woven with a warp of modern knowledge and a weft of ancient wisdom. Or perhaps a more apt description is a double helix, the modern and ancient twined together on a cellular level. And I just love that. That really just hit me somewhere that just went yes (laughs) (laughs) because you know if you think about it like the the books are based on the ancient medicine kingdoms animal vegetable mineral so you Mm. have the herbiary the bestiary the crystallary um we have been getting our medicine from the natural world and we still do pharmaceuticals are made from plants Mm -hmm. mostly um sometimes you know our, our supplements are made from minerals. Yeah. Like when you take an iron tablet, it's, it's iron, like the same iron that's in the ground, the same iron that's in hematite. Mm. And so I think that sometimes we forget where things come from. Yeah. Mm. And like, you know what I mean? It's those those little, right. It's those little drop stitches. Mm. And we just kind of like, not only pick up the stitch, but show the stitching to people again. This is how it's all bound together. Yeah, we're so far removed. There's been so much time and so many steps sort of built in between with different ages and generations that that link gets forgotten. It's not as strong. Um, And so it's, it's, I love finding, well, this podcast and the other podcasts I have and people like yourself getting to connect all of those worlds together again is just, that to me is magic. Um, that that to magic. me is magic too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, like that to me is the real magic is mm-hmm. that once we pick up these drop stitches, we can know the world in a very different way. And once we know the world in a very different way, we can understand how energy is flowing through it. And we can begin to work with that energy mm-hmm. to shift things in our own lives, to shift things in the world. That's magic. Yeah, it truly is. Yeah, it's beautiful working with it and from a level of deep understanding about how it works and sort of a deep reverence and respect for moving with that and through that rather than against it or trying to think we can change it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure I have another question in here. Let me just see. <laughs> completely different tangents now. Oh, yeah. No, this is a great one. I can't wait to get my hands on the night school when it comes out here in Australia on the 13th of December. Can you please tell us about this new creation and who it's for? Yeah. So the night school is the sum total of all the philosophy I have ingested. Wow. In the last 30 years. Um, so it's it's really meant to, to move from um, philosophy and show how that connects through to what we're currently calling mysticism mm-hmm. or witchiness. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, the ancient wisdom gives us the foundation for our witchy, mystical, spiritual practices. Um, And so again, it's just that picking up the lost stitches and showing how um, the ancient world talked about things like the four elements, things like astrology, things like divination and how that can inform how we 
use it now, which makes it all sound super dry. And I was super scared <laughs> that it was going to be super dry. So um, I invented, or I shouldn't even say I invented because she just kind of found me. Mm-hmm. There's a wacky, there's a wacky headmistress named B <laughs> who leads you through your course of study. And Ooh. the woman is nuts. And she's wow. so much fun. I love it. <laughs> and so all these lessons that could otherwise be dry as dirt mm-hmm. are snarky and funny and easy to digest. Um, and yeah, I I was just sitting typing away one day and mm-hmm. she just popped into my head and wouldn't leave. That's a um, lot. <laughs> so yeah, so the night school is... Uh, just kind of a, a wacky ride through the history of mysticism. Mm. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. Yeah, Have you done an audio in an in the alter ego's voice? <laughs> that would um, be some great listening. <laughs> I have not done the audio, but there is an audio Uh Um, and we, we screened the, you know, the voice Mm -hmm. actors for B's voice. It did. Oh, I love Um, this. Oh my goodness. And I have to admit, I've been scared to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't listened yet? I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to it. So, so yes, you can like, you know, get it wherever you get your, mm-hmm. your audio books, but I haven't listened to it because I'm scared. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're going to have to book yourself in to sit down with some headphones on. I, I mean, I just, I love B so much. Yeah. And if oh, I listen okay. and yeah. it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like her, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to like lose it. So it's best oh, okay. that I just yeah. don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you're part <laughs> yeah. of the screening process, so you know that you you found the I right know person. I did the best. Yeah, I yeah. know I did the best I could in the moment. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. wherever it goes from there is you know out of your hands, but you're happy where yeah. you were where you left it. I love that. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> cool and funny and hilarious. <laughs> Never thought about it that way, but it makes total sense. Yeah, like I I think that if they were ever to do like a movie or something of yeah. one of my books. I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could go see it. Like yeah. I can't even really reread my own books. Wow. Mm. Like there's a going back that yeah, I, yeah. I just can't. I mean, some of that is just the editorial process requires that you read the book closely over and over and over, yeah. over and over okay. again. And you're so fucking sick of it yeah. by the time it's done sure. that you're just like, if I Get never see this again, yeah. it's too soon. Yeah. Um, and then there's this, this weird phase you go through where every time you pick up the book, like for a reading at a bookstore or whatever, you find something that you wish you wrote differently. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you're constantly second guessing yourself. And then enough time goes by that you read things and you're like, did I write that? Where did that come from? <laughs> and then you have these like brief moments that like somehow you plagiarized or something because you can't oh, remember wow. actually writing it. And you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, so, <Miss> <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's it's one of those like, you know, write the book and walk away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's your process and your part of that puzzle. And then it's up to people to pick it up and, you know, go on their own learnings with that. That makes sense. Yeah. And truthfully, that's what I really want is like, you know, I, I do, I so do not want people to sit at my feet and hear the way I do it. Unless the only reason that that's good is if it inspires them to do it the way they do it. But nobody needs to kind of, you know, connect with the world the way I connect with the world, because I'm hardwired differently than, than each and every one of you. Like everyone's hardwired differently. And we all have to kind of figure out what our our point of contact is our our way of plugging in is and so i'm always just looking to um give people jumping off points open doors open windows let people have some space to figure it out that's my goal mm-hmm. absolutely perfect so true so i can see within the book you explore divination can you share with us your favorite technique and any hot tips for our listeners <laughs> so, you know, I've got to say, like with everything else, I am so in the moment mm-hmm. that it really is whatever grabs me at the moment, you know, so there's a pendulum sitting on my desk. If I 
needed something right this minute with the pendulum in reach, I would grab for the pendulum. Um, if I was in a different room and, mm-hmm. you know, the tarot cards were in that room with me, then that's what I would, would go for. Um, in general, at this point, there's something that I describe it in, in the book. Um, I think of it as using your body as a pendulum. Mm. where you pass something through your chakras and see whether you move toward it or away from it. And I've, I've been doing this for so long that I don't need to pass a thing through anymore. Mm-hmm. I can just kind of stop and ground and get centered and, you know, focus down my energy centers and ask a question and see what I get. And so I I think that I do that without even thinking. Mm. I think that it's like, it's a part of my decision-making process. Like, I don't think that I even have the moment of, of being like, I'm going to go do a divination and this is the one I'm doing. I think it's more like, um, I'm, I'm just constantly tuning into my body as a check-in to see, you know, what energies are, are flowing through me and how my body's responding to them. And should I move left or should I move right? Mm. Um, so I think that that's the one that that I go for. And I would say that, you know, in order to use any method of divination well, you need to know your starting point, your personal starting point. So, um, you know, anything that involves your body, you need to check in with your body before you do the divination because if you're like, oh, I asked a question and now my ankle hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, if your ankle also hurt before, then yeah, that sure. is not an answer <laughs> to your question. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you use your tarot cards and you have an obsessive thought that just keeps going around your brain while you're shuffling and while you're dealing out your cards and whatever, well, then that influences what you what you lay down and also how you read what you lay down. So, you know, I'd I'd say like my hot tip is no fun. It's not one of those like just snap your fingers and this happens. <laughs> my hot tip is spend the time to get to know yourself because all of your divination is channeled through you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have some idea what's going on with you in the moment, like not, you know, regardless of what's going on broadly, but like in the moment, if you're not conscious of thoughts going around on the gerbil wheel, feelings in your body, emotions that are trapped, those are all going to influence your divination. And, you know, you're just going to end up reading parts of yourself instead of taking in energy from the outer world and channeling it through you. Mm, I think that's a fantastic hot tip because I feel that (laughs) so many of us are disconnected from our body, from actually being present and truly in our bodies I think it's so nice you know to be up in the ethers and you know in all these different spaces but to truly be here being a human person having an experience you know like I think great hot tip that's what we need it's so true <laughs> yeah. to feel into things to really feel into situations and feel into decisions and yeah how does it make you feel does it make you feel good or does it give you a sick feeling in your stomach it's it's real, isn't it? It's, I feel like we are conduits, but we forget that. Yeah, we forget that. And and we also, in the wanting to be a conduit, be the oracle and someone who can perform a divination, we get attached to the idea of it. Mm. And in that attachment, we grab on to things within ourselves that are are not divine, are not divination, right? And we kind of explode the thought pattern in our heads and say like, oh, I saw this thing. Well, what you saw was the inside of your own eyeballs because you've been (laughs) obsessing about this thing, right? So, you know, to be able to to become the conduit, you, you have to be able to put all that stuff down. You have to become the hollow tube. Mm, Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That self-awareness and presence to get your baseline. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Which is 
easy to forget because sometimes it's so easy to get um, used to having information at your fingertips and moving fairly quickly through things. But if you're not taking the time to prepare yourself accordingly, it just clouds everything after that. Yeah. And you, and you make assumptions, you know, I think it's really interesting that going back to like some of the the night schools return to um, ancient knowledge, the ancient oracles did not translate their own prophecies. So like the, the Pythia um, sat on her little tripod and she gave the prophecy and then it was interpreted by the priests. Now mm-hmm. we could get into a whole, yeah. you know, who's controlling who and and all, like we can get into all that stuff, but strip that away, strip away our modern like culture and the lens we're viewing through. And like, just look at the, the function here. One person is speaking what they see. Another person who is not them is interpreting it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so you're separating these two, um, jobs. Yeah. One person's job is to be the hollow tube and to let the stuff come through, not to try to make meaning from it, because as soon as you start making meaning, you shift the scenario. Mm. But then the other person's job was to make meaning. And I, you know, what's fascinating about that is you're, um, you're diluting the preconceptions. So like if the Pythia has an obsession with roses and they come through in her vision, they don't also come through in the interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's just there's some technical stuff to how we do magic. Mm. Right. Interesting. That I think that I think we need to, to like sometimes think about. Yeah. And just briefly for our listeners at home who may not know who the Pythia is. Can we have a brief, brief little yeah, so, <laughs> info? Um, so the, the Pythia was, um, an oracle who practiced out of the temple of Apollo at Delphi. And people would come from all over the ancient world to, um, you know, ask a question and Mm. hear what she had to say. Mm. And I have read about her before that she sat over the top of, was it volcanic fumes? Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so the Pythia is like a title. So there were many Pythias over time. Um, but this was the, the oracle of the ancient world. Mm. Yeah. I noticed on your website that there will also be a companion journal and the moonlit magic deck. How can these be yeah. used in conjunction with the book? Yeah, so um, the night school has a couple little like side side cars, side hustles. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's got some side hustles. Nice and. It's very nice, right? Um, one of the one of my readers uh, said something that I thought was so brilliant. This is not me coming up with this. She said, "Oh, it's a whole system for learning Ooh. this stuff." And I was like, "Oh, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a whole system." So the the cards are. I think of them like flashcards. It's like a study deck. Sure. So it's not different information from what's in the book. It's the information in tiny bite-sized pieces. Um, For me, I find that I learn by repetition. Mm -hmm. And so like when I read something, especially something that has some stuff that I'm going to need to think about and chew on, um, it might take me a while to digest that. So if if I have both like the long form book and then I can also grab a a card with my coffee in the morning and just get a little tidbit that kind of refreshes my memory of what's in the book, starts me thinking about it again in a different way, in a different place with some caffeine, Mm -hmm. um, then things can shift. So I loved having like the little study deck as um, a different way of using the same information. And then the journal 
gives you prompts from the book so that you can take notes and write things down. Mm -hmm. Um, So they all work very closely together. They're not different information. They're ways of repeating information in different ways so that you can take it in. Absorb it. True. It is the perfect companion, isn't it? Study companion for learning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, Maya, is there a particular quote that resonates with you deeply and would you mind reading it to our listeners? This, of course, can be from your own work or the work of someone who inspires you. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Someone's answering for you. <laughs> I know. They're like, here we go. We will give you one. They're excited. Um, okay. <laughs> I have to tell you all, this is, uh, this just gave me like flashbacks to high school. <laughs> In high school, in high school, they had one of those, like, you know, what's your favorite saying? And I just was like staring at it. I'm like, it's for the yearbook. They're going to put oh. your favorite saying in the yearbook, right? With your picture and everything else. Yeah. And I did, I'm like a favorite saying people have favorite sayings. And, and I wrote an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I, I <laughs> anything like my mind just went (laughs) so if you dig out my yearbook that's what it says that Um, is awesome isn't that funny (laughs) so when I got Mm. to to, to your question about a favorite quote I don't have a favorite quote, but I do have a passage that I would love to read to you all um this is from Ian Forster's Howard's End And so many people saw the movie, but didn't read the book. Um, There's something about this passage that tells me why we do this witchy work. Mm -hmm. This is from, this is from a scene where um, a young woman named Helen is at the orchestra and she's listening to Beethoven's fifth. And in her mind, she's creating like a movie reel to go along with it. And so Helen says, A goblin was walking quietly over the universe from end to end. Others followed him. They were not aggressive creatures. It was that that made them so terrible. They merely observed in passing that there was no such thing as splendor or heroism in the world. And Helen could not contradict them. For once, at all events, she had felt the same. But then Beethoven took hold of the goblins and made them do what he wanted. He appeared in person, he gave them a little push, and they began to walk in a major key instead of a minor. And then he blew with his mouth, and they were scattered. Gusts of splendor, gods and demigods contending with vast swords, color and fragrance broadcast on the field of battle. Magnificent victory, magnificent death. Any fate was titanic. Any contest desirable, conqueror and conquered would alike be applauded by the angels of the utmost stars. And the goblins? Had they been real at all? They were only the phantoms of cowardice and unbelief. One healthy human impulse could dispel them? Men like President Roosevelt would say yes, but Beethoven knew better. The goblins really had been there. Panic and emptiness, panic and emptiness. Even the flaming ramparts of the wall of the world might fall. Beethoven chose to make it all right in the end. He built the ramparts up. He blew with his mouth for the second time, and again the goblins scattered. He brought back the gusts of splendor, the heroism, the youth, the magnificence of life and death. And amid amid vast roarings of superhuman joy, he led his fifth symphony to its conclusion. But the goblins were there. They could return. He had said so bravely. And that is why we can trust Beethoven when he says other things. Wow. I have I have read this passage over and over again since I was in high school. And I think that this is why we do this witchy work. There are goblins in the world. Whether you, you know, whether you call them evil, whether you call them our shadows, um, whether you call them despair, whether you call them depression. And the work that we do reminds us of the mythic. It reminds us that there's something larger than life that we can call to, that we can blow into our own existence. 
And so, you know, I, I feel like this passage reminds me over and over again, why it's important to make meaning from the chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do as witchy women. So true. Um, Yeah. Wow. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Incredible. So, and now everyone mm -hmm. needs their coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so beautifully written. I can't wait to get that and have, you know, read it again and again as well. Yeah. So beautifully he's, he's really written. quite brilliant. He's he's like one of those undersung heroes, I think, mm. of uh of English literature. Yeah. I can yeah, amazing. Amazing. Um, on to one of another one of my favorite questions, Maya. Yeah. On the podcast, we have a divine tool of the week each episode to share with our listeners. Is there anything in particular that you love working with? Yes, intuition. Mm. Yay. Yeah. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. It does. I I I think and I think that that's the tool that you can always carry with you. It's not heavy. <laughs> you don't have to check it at the airport. Um, you know, right. It's your intuition is such an amazing, amazing tool. It's free and it gets better with use. Mm, good point. Very good point. Mm. And no one can confiscate it. <laughs> no one can, and, and you can't use it up or run out. Yes, yeah. true. That's oh, that's a great divine tool. <laughs> Absolutely. <it. laughs> yeah. And do you have anything brewing you would like to share with our podcast coven and how can everyone find you and your work? Well, I have the memoir coming out in June yeah. in the States. Ooh, so exciting. I, yeah, I don't know when it will reach all of you in Australia, but um, you can keep an eye on my website, which is just www.mayatoll.com. It's M-A-I-A-T-O-L-L.com. And that's where all the updated info is, is kept. Um, and if you, you know, if you want to keep in more close contact, you can sign up for Witch Camp, which is um uh at this point, it's it's an ever-changing program. At this point, is it's a lovely free um eight times a year touch point with some, some small lessons, rituals, reflection, um, thoughts coming your way. Sounds beautiful. And we will link in the show notes attached to this episode on the podcast or your, your website and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. Fabulous. Thank yeah. you. Maya, it has been such a pleasure and a pinch me moment um, getting <laughs> to speak with you and um, interviewing you for our podcast. Um, just incredible. Thank you so much for your time and your sharing of knowledge and everything in between that we've pumped for out of you for this episode. <laughs> it was truly my pleasure. And you were unwell as well and you've you know, carried on through. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. It was really nice to do something besides staring at the TV or a book. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> happy to help. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And we will be back with you next week. Bye. We love bringing Turns Out She's a Witch to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation researching, coordinating and producing the show ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, you'll get access to some beautiful guided meditation recordings, a Patreon shout out on the podcast there's monthly live Q&As, competitions and giveaways, as well as a special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com. As always, we welcome your questions. We'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your family and friends and give us a follow over on Insta at turnsout underscore she's a witch. Until next time, thanks for listening and being a part of our podcast coven. <laughs>